You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right. Well, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, obviously, you're a busy guy. You have your hands in a lot of projects. And uh, But before we get into all of that, you know, you grew up in Canada, correct? Correct. So how do you find yourself? Because I have to imagine back when you were being recruited, like, it's not like Brown was all over the internet or anything like that. So how it do you- wasn't find- in the internet. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So how do you find yourself interested- intrigued by found recruited by a school like brown yeah you know at at, at the time you know the guys that had gone to the u.s uh, you know is kind of um re- all about word of mouth right so so you had uh you know mike french and and uh um you had guys like gary gate obviously and and um and and tommy marichuk stuff like that uh, there wasn't a lot of guys that went over. So for me, uh, you know, true to the stereotype, um, I, you know, Dave Huntley, another guy, again, Hopkins stuff, you, you only had a few. And, and so for me, I, I really wanted to play hockey. And uh, so literally at the time it was um, you, you go to the library and you, you, you pull out a book of U S universities and I had to reach out to them. Um, and, um, and, and, really try and sell myself, you know, as a hockey player. And I got some interest from a number of different schools and they would come out and watch junior hockey, junior A hockey out in, in, in British Columbia. And, and, and so I had a list of all these names and, and it just wasn't something that was a focus on by any of the associations, the, the, you know, BC leagues, the Canadian lacrosse association, anything like that. Right. So everything was on your own. And, you know, even tape was, you know, pretty meter, uh, meager, you know, you have VHS and stuff and no one even had those cameras. And, you know, so it was very hard to even see some of the, the film unless your games were taped. Um, so I um, uh, happened to, you know, have a conversation with a, a coach from Cornell for hockey who, who told me, uh, um, yeah, essentially, I'm not, I'm not good enough for the hockey program, but they're, they're, their lacrosse coach at the time, Rich Moran had heard about me and was very interested. And, uh, and that kind of started the, the entire process and, and of me reaching out to these schools and the schools, you know, I had a whole list of them now because I was looking at them from hockey and literally was having these addresses and half of them were probably old and, you know, all that good stuff. But, um, that, that's really how that came about and, uh, started reaching out to coaches and, and was getting good response. Okay. Because obviously Brown is not the average university that a Canadian might reach out to. I mean, the Ivy League in itself, obviously, is is this upper echelon of schools. So uh, we were just curious. And, and you played there at a very, I, I would say, a kind of infamous time. R- Ryan, you, you can speak more about this. So, and correct me if I'm wrong. So you played for Coach Starja for a portion of your career. And then did you finish with um, Coach Lasagna after? Correct. Correct. Give me one sec. You got it. I got a crazy dog here. (laughs) Um, There you go, buddy. Uh, Yeah, I played for uh, uh, Dom recruited me. Um, Dom, uh, 
you know, you know, at the time, again, you didn't have a lot of guys that were going across the country to play lacrosse. Uh, and I really didn't know what I was, you know, getting into. So I, I really wanted to feel comfortable with where I was going. And, mm-hmm. you know, of all the schools that I, I uh, went out and looked at, uh, you know, Dom's Dom and the players associated in the letters and everything else that I got really made me feel that I could trust them and, and felt good about, um, um, being away, you know, 3000 miles away. And, and at the same time, I, I was very impressed with the players and the program they had such that I, I really felt that it was going to be a, a championship caliber team. And, and, uh, so it, it made the decisions, uh, fairly easy for me, but that's exactly right. And then Dom went to Virginia. I remember in August, it was a, it was a tough August for me. I I'd lost my uh, mother. Uh, he had, uh, reached out. He said, listen, this is my first call. I just want you to know, I I'm, I'm going to Virginia. Here's what's going on. And it was tough to take. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, Pete Lasagna, you know, stepped right in, uh, and, and the coaching staff was, was, was all there. And, um, we actually had a really good season, my, my, my senior year, but we, um, we, uh, through the bidding process uh, at the time we had lost to Massachusetts. And so when they came to bid, we didn't get a bid, even though we were, you know, one of the top five in the country. So. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, Ryan. Those were the tough days of, uh, the NCAA tournament when, yeah. uh, you know, not like today where you, you have a few more at large yeah. bids and, you know, all of that stuff. But I, I, rem- I remember those. I mean, I'm a little bit older than Nick. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to talk to you about the next part 24? of your career. 24? <laughs> uh, you know what? Thank you very much. But I just celebrated my 36th birthday. Oh, congrats. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Two days ago. But, um, I'm originally from Long Island, so I grew up a huge Saints fan. So, um, you know, kind of, you know, you're graduating Brown, you're getting into your professional career, you're getting into your, you know, your professional career on the business side. Um, What was that like? You know, obviously, you know, you're you're playing field lacrosse, you're playing in the world games with team Canada, you're playing pro indoor, and then you're starting your, you know, your business career. What was it like at that time for you, you know, um, juggling all of those things? Because I'm assuming, you know, with playing for the Saints and kind of where you were at Brown and kind of that whole tri-state area, the, the northeastern spot, where, was that where you were kind of like centrally located during that time and kind of going through that whole process? Um, you know, it's a it's a great it's a great question, Ryan, and, and I wish the answer was you know simple, and I, I wish it was cool. <laughs> it never know, is. <laughs> it, you know, it was actually um, it was a tough tough period in my life. Um, uh, it was actually a number of things that were, were kind of coming around all at once. Um, um, one of them is, is I, I, I was, you know, I just lost, you know, my mother and I, I, w- I really wasn't equipped to deal with that properly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you call into question a lot of different things about your faith and, you know, extensional, uh, extens- uh, your extensional, you know, existential, existential, yeah. thank you, you know, um, environment and, um, at the same time, I, I'll be honest, it was a rude awakening, uh, to take a job on wall street, uh, great opportunity. I was fortunate, uh, did well in school and, you know, but I was up at 6am every morning and it, you know, it, it was kind of like, is, you know, is this it for the rest of my life? You know, um, you know, I was used to college, you know, you got you know four or five classes a week, uh, you know, you're sleeping until 10, you're playing your sport, all your friends are around you. And, uh, your family is, is easily accessible. And, and so it was a, it was a big adjustment. I know a lot of people, uh, I, I certainly don't want to lift, uh, look a, a gift horse in the mouth. I was fortunate to have an opportunity. 
Um, but unless you're from New York, unless you're from that area, you know, it's not like I had all my friends around. So it, it was a whole, you know, I'm in the middle of the, you know, the big apple and I, I had two roommates, a fo- uh, two football players from Brown and I, I never saw them. I, 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 it was, the work was tireless. Um, and, uh, um, it was very hard to see your father and, and my, my, my family. And, and so th- those were hard. Um, uh, I also was drafted uh, and played with the newest Minnesota Salmon Bellies. And I really wanted to play there again, but I couldn't because I had to do training with, with Morgan Stanley. And it, it was, there was a lot of frustrating, a lot of frustrating things for me. Um, and, um, you know, most importantly is, you know, when you're playing with Team Canada, you're playing, you know, professionally in the in the uh with the New York Saints and stuff you, you kind of have to be at the the top of your game your, your your talent is only takes you so far and I literally had no time to get to the gym to work out to run to do anything um I'm living in the city to get out to the Coliseum or we practice in Syosset I had to get on a train you know and and so I had to literally bring my Saints bag to Morgan Stanley leave it in the closet leave early feel guilty about that because all my other analysts, they're, they're all there. Get down, grab a cab to Penn Station, uh, you know, Penn Station out to Long Island, then grab a, it was, it was a the lot of work. Um, and, and then I had to get back and get up at six in the morning, you know, to go to work. And there was just no time to get in shape, which, which, which was frustrating for me. Um, I didn't get to play back home with the salmon bellies, which, which frustrated me. Um, and, um, uh, and I did find whatever time I did have, I, I donated to, you know, Team Canada because we, you know, the world, the, the world games were coming up in, in Manchester. So there's no vacation time. And at the same time, I, I, I you know, I was kind of, a little, I think, young and, and foolish a little bit. Uh, I was engaged. Um, and um, so I, I was carrying a lot of my plate at, at, at you know, 21, 22 years old that, you um, I probably wasn't prepared enough to handle. Um, and um, instead of it being a great period, you know, graduating, having a phenomenal job, getting drafted and, and playing with team Canada and stuff. It was, um, it was a, it was a difficult, it was a tough period for me. Um, and um, so I'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so based on your experience then is, is that partially what kind of drives you to invest in the program now? Because obviously the product back then could have been so much greater and it was still a great product, but could have been so much greater if these athletes had the time to dedicate to this and not have to juggle so many things and pick and choose. Do I choose my sport, my passion, or, you know, my, my obligations to, to, to work. Does that impact at all? Like the investment you make into the, the players and I guess how you treat the players within your organizations? There's no question. I, I, if, if today was the way it is today with, with pro sports and um, the salaries and everything else, I, I, I wouldn't have, um, I, that's exactly what I would have done. I would have gone home to Vancouver and, and I would have played and in the summer, I would have played, uh, you know, hopefully played in the PLL, hopefully played in the, you know, the NLL and, and, and done all the same stuff. I would have certainly chased that dream. Um, and um you know, so for me, it was, it was a combination of, of different things. And if I had to decide which one to give up, it was very hard to give up uh, a lucrative job. Um, you know, your, your parents, my, my parents, you know, sacrificed to get me that education with loans and everything else. And, 
you know, there's a, there's a feeling of obligation there and, and to say, ah, hey, you know what, uh, forget this job. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play, you know, pro lacrosse and make $300 a game and, you know, we'll see what happens. Right. I mean, there's no career there. Um, and so there's no question that, you know, for me, um, w- what I see is a great sport that, that is, um, really, on the cusp and, and you can see it, you, you can just see it. You can see what's happened in the NLL over the last four or five years. Uh, you can see what's happened obviously with the PLL and, and the energy being brought to the field game. You can see the number of countries playing lacrosse is just exponential. When, when I was, when we were in Manchester for the 94 world, uh, world championship, you know, there's like, I think 14 total teams, like nations, you know, now there's, you know, like, there's 40, I think that, you know, there's like 60 nations and I, I don't know how many come to the actual uh, world championships. And, and, and of course now obviously, uh, you know, the, the big, the big news is the Olympics. Right. And so whole different, whole different environment. Um, and, and what programs like uh, us Boxla and, and Shaden and Matt Brown have done um, and the guys around that program, Kevin Crowley and Steve Holmes and, Anthony Kelly and, 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 uh, you know, um, um, got even upstate New York right now, right. You got guys giving back and building with a new collegiate league there. You got Roy Colsey and it is just so many people growing the game. Um, you, you can in, in, in both field and box, all these club programs have been exploding. The, the game's just going to get better and better. And, 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 you know, you saw the TSN deal with, uh, with the NLL that we, we did recently, I mean, just great coverage. Um, and, and I think people are recognizing it. And um, I, I think that fifth sport, you know, lacrosse has a, has a chance to be that fifth sport um, for everybody. And, and I th- kind of think we're at that, that level. And when you guys have guys like Wayne Gretzky that see that, that have played box lacrosse at least and understand the parallels, uh, you know, with hockey and, um, want to be a part of that along with obviously, you know, Dustin Johnson and, and, and Steve Nash, um, you know, that, that's exciting. Those, those are things we haven't seen, uh, in, in lacrosse, uh, you know, right. and, and a lot of that is on the back of, you know, what the MLL started and what the, the mill and the, and the, and, and the guys before started and just moving forward now. And so I think, um, you know, that really was the impetus. It was part of that. Um, and it was also part of just being a, a good investment, um, you know, I, you know, when you're looking at an investment, you want to find, you know, uh, growth opportunities. You want to see evidence of growth. You want to see, you know, a, um, a, a, a probability of success in the future based on data points you see today. And as I just mentioned, many of those data points to me sounds, um, you know, like a, a pretty good in, a pretty good investment. So that's, that's part of what I, I uh, have started to do in both, um, growing the game from the youth level and investing my time and, and money in, in both youth lacrosse and, and collegiate level lacrosse uh, to investments that are um, more broad in terms of the PLL and the NLL and you know, Epic lacrosse. Well, and that's a great segue because we definitely want to discuss the business side of all of this, because that's kind of what Ryan and I, we always talk lacrosse with people. Ryan has his MBA. I have my doctorate in sports management. So like, this is, this is what we wish we could always talk about. So you you built your career as an analyst and an investor, and you were talking about data points and growth opportunities. At what point in your professional 
career, did you start to maybe seek out or look, you know, just pay more attention to these opportunities within lacrosse? Cause you, you know, you built your career in healthcare. Uh, that, yeah. That's not really a secret. And you know, what made you say, all right, I've done pretty well. I, I have an opportunity now to take some extra money and put it in some other opportunities and your passion is lacrosse. So at what point were you like, let's, let's find some opportunities for, for investment in lacrosse. So, uh, it's a, it's a good question, not a short answer. Uh, it, it didn't just happen. Uh, I didn't just all of a sudden a light bulb went off, uh, um, always had, you know, the passion for lacrosse, uh, but when you're building a business and a, a, a career and a hedge fund, you know, you only have so much time to do things. Um, I had always been uh, helping out with youth programs and, and, and growing uh, the sport of field across. Um, but work was number one priority. And then of course, you know, I had kids and so those things all, all take priority. Um, I, um, I, I think what, you know, what really changed, um, was, you know, you, you get older and you, you kind of look at what's next in, in your career. And, and, uh, um, I started my own hedge fund and, and with that brought, um, brought some, some commitments that I didn't have, uh, to, um, to certain things that, that are required when you're building a business. And, and so once you get to that level, uh, you have more time, you're not building anymore. Now you're kind of, uh, you know, I'm not going to say cruise control, but you're, you have your plan in, in, in place and, and how you how you do things. And, um, kids are a little bit older, which, which, which helps. And, um, like a few things, you know, uh, one thing led to another in, in terms of uh, what I was trying to do. And uh, I, I think the biggest, the biggest change was my recognition that box lacrosse um, was my first love over field and that I, I wanted to grow that. And um, so I had reached out to the guys at US Boxla. I saw what they had been doing. And I said, I'd like to, I'd like to start a program to train kids playing field uh, box lacrosse. Uh, and they said, we would love to do that. Uh, Roy Colsey is down the road from you. Would you think about working with him? And I said, absolutely. And I called Roy up and Roy was absolutely, you know, come, please come see what we're doing. I hope you like it and, 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 and join on. And, um, and I did that. And, and uh, he had started a program a year earlier uh, just focused on box lacrosse. He had a field program. He did. He just, he stopped cold Turkey bang right into box, um, you know, visionary in team terms of seeing where the game's going. This is about four or five years ago. And so, uh, I joined him, and, and when I joined him, I, I, re, you know, I, I really, you know, that bug kind of came back, uh, you know, more so, uh, in, in terms of my love for the game and, and wanting these kids to really have an opportunity uh, in the U.S. like I had in Canada. And so um, I started looking at ways to grow the game. And, you know, one of them was, was um, what are these kids that are learning, uh, that are learning, what do they, where do they go other than just these clinics, right? So mm -hmm. where do they go from doing clinics to getting into leagues and, and, and um, playing nationals and doing things like that? So that's what I, my focus became. And so I, I ended up um, uh, joining up with the, the U, U20 US indoor team. 
uh, to give kids an avenue to play for their country. Uh, and it was just building in, in 1819. Um, I, um, um, and, we're, and now we've launched a U15 and a U17. This is all run through uh, US indoor lacrosse. And, um, and that's really been great. The kids have loved it and it's really elevating them. I wanted to also have something that kids can play after they finish their youth or high school level. So it started the collegiate league and, and, and with, there's now five leagues in, in that with upstate New York, California, Ohio, and Colorado. Um, and it's, it's really, it's been great. You, you can see players that are joining these leagues and then how they're performing in their collegiate leagues uh, in field. And, and they're, they, you can see the elevated level of their game. Um, and so those things were, were really kind of what I had to focus on. And in, in between, um, you know, through business relationships and, and what have you, um, investments came along for the PLL and, uh, and then for the NLL, um, I, uh, I had, I'd been interested in the NLL and, uh, actually had gone to pitch a friend on it. Said, are you interested in, in, in purchasing a team? And he said, uh, I'm not right now uh, because of this. And, you know, through, through the PLL booklet in, in my face. And I said, oh, this is very interesting. And, you know, started talking to some people and, and, um, I, I thought it was a great, a great idea. I thought it was what lacrosse needed and it had some, some, some great people in, involved in that. And then from that other things, uh, played out, including Epic and, and really trying to understand the equipment side of the business. And, and if, if you think lacrosse is going to grow, obviously, everyone's going to need equipment. So I, I felt from an investment standpoint, be good, but I wanted to be partnered with some uh, a group that shared my values of innovation and, you know, cutting edge technology. And, and Epic was, was, was the, was the company that I felt had that, that opportunity. And so, um, you know, again, these investments kind of came together uh, over negotiations and, and discussions about uh, growing the game and how to best do that. And, and I felt that the people that I was doing these with, uh, aligned well with, with what my vision was. And so, you know, kind of all evolved, uh, you know, not, not just a, you know, one day decision. Yeah. Didn't happen overnight. You didn't wake up right. and say, all right, let's start investing in lacrosse. Correct. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I, I feel like that's how it happens for everybody, right? You know, you got to a point where your, your hobby could become kind of like your profession again. And you could turn your focus, you know, well, that, a lot that's of the other thing you're exactly right. You know, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, what am I doing for the next, you know, I don't know how long do we live now till about 80 years old. So I got 30, <laughs> I got 30 years left. Um, you know, what am I doing for the next 30 years? And, and, you know, I, I do think obviously you guys are older than I, than, than you look, but you know, you, you go through these phases in life. Right. And that's why you always, you always listen to the wise old man because they, they've been there and, and they know it. Uh, and, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I was 20, I thought, well, geez, I know everything. And then when I was 23, I was like, oh my God, I knew nothing when I was 20. Now I know everything. And then when I was 28, I was like, what an idiot I was, you know? And so you, you always learn as you go along. And, um, you know, when I, when you, when you look forward, you know, you think about a lot of things about giving back and, and helping others and, and, and about your kids' futures and, and things of that nature. Um, and, you know, I happened to know a good deal about lacrosse and, and I, I felt like I had something I could give back. Um, and, and so it, it made sense. It, it, I have a love for it. Uh, been been fortunate financially. You know, I, I could have gone into, you know, 
coaching badminton, but I, I don't think I have any value to add there. Right. So, you know, so, so you tend to gravitate to the things that you love doing and, and, and the things that you're good at. And, um, and that's why I felt it was a good match. I know, I think I know how to invest. Uh, I think I know lacrosse. I love lacrosse. It gave me go. a lot in my life. Uh, and so that's how that, that came together. L limited growth potential in, in yeah. professional badminton. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to make <laughs> Yeah, that. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you'll make your money back. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of the NLL and obviously it, it's growing like crazy and it seems like, you know, ever since Nick became commissioner, there's been this very direct path or plan for the future of the league. And you being the, the CEO, the owner of the Albany Firewolves, what kind, how, for someone that has no idea how the sports industry works, how do you come to own a actual sports franchise? I mean, you don't, like you say, you don't wake up one day and say, I, I think I want to buy one and then just let people know. And then they just, you know, they call you up when they're ready. Like th this is it's a process. And, yeah. And it's a, a long of, process. There's a lot of moving parts and a lot of vetting on, on both sides and everything like that. So well, I know, you know, for us, we're, we're extremely, you know, interested in, in, in yeah. And was it something whole... that you were pursuing? Yeah. Like, were you pursuing a franchise opportunity either as a minority owner or a, as the majority owner, or was this something where you didn't really think about it until it was put on your plate? So, so good questions. Yeah. And, and, and it all, it, it depends when you talk professional, what league you're talking about. Right. right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're talking the, you know, top four sport, it's a huge process, you know, and, and, you know, uh, if you're talking a, you know, new league or a minor league, probably a little bit easier. The NLL is right in between, right. It's right there of, you know, on the cusp. And, and if you go, so, so if I was to buy a team, you know, eight years ago, whole different process probably would have been a lot easier, um, you know, uh, but I didn't want to buy it back then, even though I, I had looked at it and, and the economics didn't work for me. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a kind of numbers guy uh, and um, there has to be value somewhere uh, for an investment, whether that's in the in the operating cash flow generated by the business annually or in some future value. And and I didn't see either. Um, and so. Um, I think there was like nine teams when Nick took over. I think they had gone from 12 to nine. It was very unstable. And, and the first thing to do, you know, sponsors don't want to invest uh, in, in unstable leagues. Televisions don't want to pick you up, everything else. The goal was to come in, stabilize it and bring in owners that, you know, were there to stay and to, you know, had high quality in, in what they were doing. And so you saw guys, you know, uh, like Josai uh, get involved and in now with another team and the Pagulas up in, in, mm -hmm. in, in uh, you know, Rochester um, taking on a second team. And of course, you know, you, you have, you know, Fort Worth that, that now is part of it and, and a number of hockey teams. And so um, that was really important to stabilize the league. And, and so aside from me, the process is really, Hey, uh, you know, I think there's right now probably, over 10 markets that the NLL is looking at more. There is more than 10 markets. Right. Um, and, and the goal is to add a, a you know, a league a year, uh, a team a year. And, you know, those are, th there's a lot of bidding on some of those. And some of them, there's, there's folks that own the markets that they're in and they would be perfect partners to add a pro lacrosse team to. And so those conversations are going on. And, and then there's, you know, aspects of, of money and valuation and, and, and all those different things. Um, 
for me, it was a little bit different simply because it was a franchise that was already in existence. Mm -hmm. Um, to your question, um, uh, I, I definitely had already been in conversation and was looking, uh, to take on some kind of ownership in a team minority or or otherwise, Mm -hmm. uh, years earlier, um, probably after Nick was there two or three years, because I liked what, where the direction was going. Uh, but again, very difficult to get a franchise. Uh, you know, my understanding for GF Capital when they purchased the, the New York Saints or the Riptide uh, franchise, um, you know, there's, there was six very heavy, you know, billion dollar type people and organizations bidding, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm not going to make it into that, that category. Um, and so it's been, it, 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 the level of, of ownership groups have, has just drastically changed. And, right. and of course, you saw the last one, uh, you know, with uh, led by Joe Sy with, mm-hmm. with uh, you know, Gretzky and, and Johnson and, and uh, Nash. So um, in this particular case, uh, I knew New England well. I'd been looking for a team and uh, someone reached out to me uh, from the league. Nick reached out um, and said, you know, do you, do you have an interest? I said, I do. And, uh, and then that just started a process that that process from there was, you know, due diligence. I mean, it's not just about finance. It's about, you know, can I build a successful franchise? Um, You know, is there buy-in who, who, who's the team around me? Not, not the players, but you know, the front office and the owners and, you know, different things of that nature. And so, um, so that was really the goal. And it was to spend a lot of that time doing due diligence to figure out if there was an investment that um, validated my interest. And so maybe like some different from some other owners of sports programs, mine wasn't a kind of afterthought or an ego thing. Hey, I'm going to own a team and Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter the money. I love this. This is great for me. It was all that, but it also has to be financially sound in terms of what we're doing. And there's um, a, a lot of things that we had to do to, to a lot of due diligence that had to be done to to determine whether that made sense or not. Um, and so, you know, those are are um, a little bit different avenues of, of purchasing a team. One is, hey, a new franchise is coming to an area because there's an owner that really wants to invest in that area and grow it. Another one is buying a, a team that's in existence. I mean, you saw Saskatchewan recently. Mm-hmm. Um, remind me, was that price disclosed? I don't know. And we don't have, yeah, we can just, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was a pretty, it was a pretty healthy price. Um, and you know, Saskatchewan basically had, uh, um, built a a really good franchise Mm -hmm. and someone who saw a lot of overlap with their hockey, uh, investments in that area. Um, essentially wanted to buy it. And, 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 and so again, those are all a little bit different buying a franchise outright, transferring a franchise uh, or buying a, a, a brand new one in, in a new market. And, and so they all have their different, their different aspects. Um, and, and then from there, again, you got to make sure that you have the right ownership group. And, um, and, and for me, I thought, you know, what is, what is unique to what we're doing? And I, I think it's that we understand lacrosse. Um, um, Brett Jefferson, 
um, Saul Kuman. I mean, these guys did they, they John Hopkins, Syracuse, right? I mean, these guys top of the, they're all in the final fours. They're all, play, you know, all, you know, I like to think Browns, you know, and, and during my period there, you know, very good programs, very, you know, played at the highest levels. Um, you know, Zach Schreiber, you know, same thing, uh, a teammate of mine at Brown. Um, and, and, and so I, all those things are really important. And, and a few of those guys are, are also investors in the PLL. So there's also an understanding of, of how to build this in the concept, in, 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 the, in the whole idea of where is lacrosse going. And, um, and Absolutely. Can you still hear me, Ryan? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I lost you for a quick second there at the end, Oliver. I just want to make sure it wasn't me. Um, yeah, to, to your point too, uh, as far as investing in the NLL goes specifically, it, it is kind of a, a value investment because you can get a franchise, get a franchise for, what, for what? 10 to 10 to 15 million, I think was the franchise fee for, for Fort Worth. Um, and and to, your, to another point you made is, is solidifying the ownership groups. They, it looks like they've really value people that own other sports entities or involved in other sports entities. For example, Fort Worth being involved with the WNBA, uh, you know, Preissner being involved with, with hockey. So that that's become, I think, more attractive to the league than just deep pockets. And then, like you said, yourself being an owner is more than just being the money. It's about being hands-on and, and using your actual knowledge of lacrosse. I mean, maybe you'll end up like Brennan Kelly one day and have to jump down into the sidelines and, and coach a team to a championship. But hopefully, hopefully that's not the case. It. Yeah, I can I do mean, it. Have I you ever Glenn, been tempted? I think Glenn and our team can do it much better, but, uh, but I'm there if they call me in. I was say, um, ever been tempted know, to get in the getting on the sideline? <laughs> you know, I, I, it's been great coaching with Roy Colsey as well with the U.S. team. We we fought hard for a for bronze medal at the oh, U20, yeah. um, and and look, and the U.S. kids are, are are just getting better. I think for us, our ownership group, where we didn't have those franchises, and it made it us very different. But what we had was, as I mentioned, this really deep understanding of lacrosse mm -hmm. and and the owners i you know when you're on these calls with the the board of governors and everything very smart smart business people understand sport i don't know if they they grasp lacrosse and what right. i see as the future i really don't um not because you know they're ignorant or what have you it's you know like the pll is a perfect example um you know, none of the programs ever really talked about the PLL. And I'm like, you have your play, you know, you have, you have five or six players on your team playing in the PLL. Mm -hmm. Those players are the best in the world. People follow, you know, you, these hockey players because they're fans of theirs. Mm -hmm. Create a fan understanding and awareness of these great players um, I saw Halifax started to do it, which was mm -hmm. great. We've been doing it with a couple of our players, but there is huge overlap in this game right now. Mm -hmm. And what I really like, I talked about where lacrosse is going, you know, I don't know if you guys know the history, but, you know, field lacrosse, lacrosse obviously was, was, you know, developed by the indigenous roots, right. In, right. in Canada. And then, you know, it became, you know, commercialized if you, whatever else, but field lacrosse was the game in Canada. And it eventually went to the United States, you know, in about the 30s or so, box lacrosse was introduced. Literally, field lacrosse in Canada disappeared in five years, and it was all box lacrosse. 
but in field in, in America, it stayed field. Mm-hmm. And to this day, there's a little taboo, you know, even if you look at the rosters, right. in the PLL, the majority are American. Mm-hmm. And yet, yet the game, if you think about all the best players that are playing in this game and that are coming up, 75% of them all play box lacrosse to some degree or another. And, and a lot of them in the NLL. So, uh, there's just such a parallel between these players and becoming the best in the world. Um, and, and so you're, you're kind of getting past the traditional field player. Um, and, and you're, you have a, you have a hybrid, right. That, and, and this has been going on now for a few years, number of years. Um, and you also have a transition, a transformation in the game. No, no disrespect to field lacrosse. I love it. Great strategy and everything else. Um, but it's a it's a strategy game. It's slower. It's set plays. It's you know box across is you know you're going all the time and there's no space it, to it, think that long. And it's more yeah, and it's, like, it's and more free flowing and a little yeah. more exciting, right? And so what you see now with the PLL is you're bringing some of that in shot clock, fifty seconds, and the game is a lot more exciting. And and so this is only going to continue, right? If you look at the format for the Olympics, it's a, it's a box format, mm-hmm. right? It's five, it's basically five on five and two goalies on a field. That's about the size of a box across, mm-hmm. right on, on the field, up and down, no face-offs you know, it's, it's uh, it's, I think it's really smart in terms of what they're trying to do to uh, make the game, um, you know, a little more exciting, a little more easier to understand and, and, and follow. And so, you know, for, for um, um, for our ownership group, I think we have very good insight to that. So whereas we don't have that hockey franchise, right. And, or, or that, you know, the, you know, the Joe Sai, you know, has the Nets and has the, you know, WNBA and stuff. Um, I think we bring a unique uh, aspect from being owners of the PLL. So it's different than owning a franchise, but we own a, you know, a league, uh, you know, and, and the ability to learn from that and grow from that and, and, and see where that sport is going, I think adds tremendous value. Um, and, and, and not just currently, but also from grassroots and growing and, and where the game's going to go. It's, it's kind of funny. You mentioned the different types of owners too, because when you start a franchise, let's say in a, in a game of Madden, it always asks, do you want to be a former player? Do you want to be a former coach or do you want to be a billionaire? And they all have their benefits, right? One, one has deep pockets. They can, you know, to, to, like in the NLL, like yeah. some guys pay other people to be the lacrosse minds and that's totally fine. But then there's guys like you that, you know, have made it on your own. You have the experience, the knowledge, and you're going to be more hands-on about it. And you don't need to hire, I guess, as many people or pay as much money for these lacrosse specific minds. You, you probably still will, but you don't have to because you bring some of that yourself. So I, I think it's funny to, or interesting to see the, the variety in the ownership groups. Uh, what you mentioned, I, I've seen this, especially since the PLL t- took hold. The NLL has definitely borrowed some of the marketing strategies and, and embraced some of the new stuff. And what you just said about following players from league to league, I mean, the Riptide pretty much retweet every single thing that Jeff T mm-hmm. does. Well, not, now that Jeff T's there, exactly, yeah. which is perfect, right? Bill Jeff's mm-hmm. friend, the guy is a phenomenal player. His father, I played against him in the Man Cup. Uh, uh, we lost, but uh, <laughs> I, I still a lot of respect. And obviously, he's down with Tracy Kolesky and, yep. and mm-hmm. Fort Worth. So, you know, absolutely. What a phenomenal talent to you know, to, um, you know, preach to the world and, and, uh, you know, you want to talk about, you know, 
following players and, and, and talent. That's a kid that just a modest kid plays hard, works hard. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely take advantage of that. And, and it will, it will build the game. It will build the brand. Um, people, it's amazing to me that, um, Ryan, you said you grew up in Long Island, right? Yep. You know, so if you went to watch a game, you probably knew some of those guys or you looked up to them, right? It's not like you just went and said, I don't know who this Pat McCabe guy is, but he's pretty good, right? You went because you followed him, right? You, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we followed him all over. I mean, you right. know, I'm in the heyday when, you know, we had the saints then the saints left, but then the MLL, came about yeah. um you know and then those guys were also living in the community i mean i remember 100%. you know I, I remember you know they were just, teachers they were yeah, firefighters like, policemen i remember yeah. mac o'keefe when he was a little guy i remember watching his dad brian play for the saints and then when yeah. i met him at camp i was like oh my god i watched you in the coliseum because i'm also a huge islander fan yeah um you know for me like just in terms of both leagues and Nick and I have talked about this. I, I think what was needed is what you're starting to see and what we've been talking about, you know, they're the supplementary are, to each other. Man. The, the leagues are starting to grow together. You're starting to see that one plus one doesn't equal two. You're, you're starting to see that absolutely, you know, they're using each other to help grow the game. Whereas before 100%. it was separate, you know, 100%. and, and, and uh, the field game was doing a lot of things to really hurt itself, whether it be the MLL, not letting the best players play in the world games or, you know, having the schedule that interferes with the end of the NLL season. I think for once you've got two sides really working together and it's actually, you're seeing that growth of the game that we've all been talking about, like, Oh, this needs to happen. We want to see this happen. You're starting to see kind of this, you know, you're starting to see those stages go up and grow. You're right on it, right? And and um, you know it's hard when there's an MLL and there's a PLL and you know, like they they don't like each other, right? And and so what does the NLL do? Uh, you know, do they pick side? You know, all, a lot of so to me the 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 and and this was my assumption, you know, years ago. You know, the the MLL would go away. It's just how economics and businesses work. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't want to say that at the time, but that's just you know. Look, when, when it's like jobs, you know, hey, I, I work here for $10 or I work here for, you know, $50 and I get health care and I'm on TV and these are the best players. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Right. And then it just it, 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 there was no question this was going to happen. And of course, the, what mattered was the funding. And there's been just tremendous funding for the PLL. So um, I, I obviously I know firsthand, right, that they are working together, uh, the PLL. Mm -hmm. they're, they're trying on different things, you know that are um like you said help help the game and and help each group respectively and um you know the schedule during covid was a perfect example when do we start our season well when do these guys play and you know the nll said look we don't want to you know go into the the pll season and respect the players and stuff and, and those things are really important and so i think nick's done a, a really good job in that respect um and but when you look at the attendance, let's just say the average attendance about, you know, 8,000, 10, you know, people at, at games, right? it varies on where you go, obviously mm -hmm. the riptide very, you know, struggled in the first year and, and what have you, but um, not, these guys are mostly Canadians, right? 75% mm -hmm. of the players are Canadian, yet the guys going out, the fans going, and, and the fans that go out to, to view the, the, a lot of these guys, they didn't play box lacrosse. No. Right. Box lacrosse has only really started to grow over the last, you know, five, six years. 
inner mm-hmm. innerness. Um, I had an opportunity to coach a great group uh, uh, from Long Island, the, the Blues, uh, yep. Brandon O'Neill, McAdory, yep. all these young guys. These yep. guys are now becoming, you know, Brandon O'Neill is is now at Duke. Um, McAdory is going to Duke. Duke. Uh, you know, as much of these guys, right? These guys have played with box across for four years now, right? Like that was unheard of in the past. So mm-hmm. now as you start to build these brands and of, of the players in both leagues. As you start to have players grow up that are, have know the box game um, and you start to put us players, you know, Connor Kelly got traded, but Connor great player in the, in the box game uh, for an American. Right. And, and so um, it, to me, it's, it's where I see that I was telling you about seeing those, those data points of, you know, mm-hmm. Shit, if you're getting eight, sorry, if you're getting eight to 10 people out, you know, to watch a game and they're watching Canadians and there isn't a lot of branding. Imagine what happens when you, you know, your local player, mm-hmm. like the Saints, when we played, yep. we always had eight, 10,000 people yep. out, you know, people wanted to see, you know, oh, the, cor- uh, the uh, Matt, Coors Light uh, days, Brian, all those like, guys. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and Sal Acasio and Vinny Sombrato and Steve and, you know, the people follow these guys and, 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 and Matt Panetta. And, and all. so it was, um, it was, a uh, it, it was a little bit different back then. And I think we're starting to go, uh, back then it was 90% American. I, I, I you're only allowed three Canadians at the time. So it's kind of gone one way and I think it's going to start to come back. And, and I think as, as, as teams understand in the NLL, the, the, the GMs and the presidents and the owners that they have to brand their players that are in the PLL. Um, I mean, field lacrosse is a big sport up in, in Canada as well now. Right. So um, I, I think they're going to realize that leads to fans um, that, that want to come out and watch their players. Well, and it boils down to, to, to one thing in, in both leagues, really, you have, you have 14 or 15 franchises in the NLL. You have eight teams in the PLL. It, it boils down to, most people don't have a city with a lacrosse team. It's just a majority of people don't like I live in Detroit, Michigan. I don't have the turbos are long gone. I don't have a team. So I root for individual players that I like, like I sure. root for the Chrome cause I love coach Sudan and I love the, the way that Sudo. they play. But the thing is most people are like that. And I think that's why the, the PLL works because who cares if you give them eight cities, Right. Who, who cares? You're still rooting yeah. for somebody that isn't your city yeah. and the NLL, same thing. It's like, I could pick a city, but it always feels disingenuous. It's like being a Yankees fan and not living in New York. Uh, so I have to root for players that I really, really like. And so that's just the way it is for right now. And then the way it's going to be until there are 32 teams. And even then half the country is still rooting for some random team. So who, who, who do you like rooting for besides uh, Timmy? <sighs> I mean, I know you played with AT, but I don't know. And I love, I love the Canadian Andy's influence. Coach, Who, what player, yeah. what player? Uh, honestly, Andy's our, uh, our, uh, our color commentator, by the way, that's going to be, that's yeah. going to, oh, that's going to be a hoot. Yeah, knocked uh, it out of the park. I mean, yeah, he, Schreiber is one of my favorite. Uh, we, we had him on the show. He, he just, he just joined us at Epic as an Epic athlete and, mm-hmm. and, and just fits all the qualities that you want, uh, that I want, you know, mm-hmm. modest guy, you know, I, I, he, I was watching the, the, the game, uh, on Sunday night again. And I mean, I, there was this one play where I, they called an offside or they did something. Tommy was, you know, had the ball, you know, you know, a lot of players, they, they kind of, they look around and oh, he just like, sprints uh, back to defense the ball and they bang ball down. 
sprint as fast as he could back on D. Yeah. I, I mean, the guy is the ultimate, ultimate leader. Um, just an unbelievable competitor, super modest. Love, love the guy. He is amazing. Yeah. The biggest ambassador of the sport, in my opinion. I, I would say if not Shriver, then, then easily my choice for best player in the world because of how versatile he is, is Courier because he's, he's a Canadian. That's why. Yeah. You know. I mean, uh, listen, awesome. he's so underappreciated because he, people only pay attention to the stats, yeah, but like they don't anymore. look at I, cost I turnovers and GBs. I mean, yeah. who, who he's else great. would you want on the wing? Right. Yeah. He's uh, phenomenal. Either way. He's like a, he's like a young Brody Merrill almost, you know, like, oh man, yeah. that guy, he's yeah. one of my all time favorites to watch. I 100%. mean, I remember, another, yeah, another, Canadian another modest player. guy, you know, yeah. all out, you know, kind of, you know, guys, you know, like Pat McCabe and, and, and Sola, you know, just guys out there working hard, playing the salt sport. of the earth type people. Exactly. exactly. Canadians, man. I haven't met a lot of snooty Canadians. Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so moving on real quick yeah. to the, to the TV deal, we, we've discussed this with, you know, anybody from Westberg to, to Tom Shriver to anybody who plays in the NLL. And we, we talk about how the, the TV deal or the lack thereof has been a hindrance to the growth of the fan base and ultimately the league, how much, I mean, this is still relatively small in terms of, of like major sports broadcasting deals, but how much of a difference or what kind of impact is this going to make in your opinion to the league in the short term? Well, from the perspective, you know, from my perspective, I'll say, you know, and again, I say what I can, you you have to look at, you know, again, that progression, right? Mm -hmm. So before this deal, right, they had a BR live, right? And before BR live, uh, I think they had some ESPN stuff, but the production was terrible. I mean, it's funny watching these clips of the players, right? Cause you know, and, and, and uh, Dallas Alex is a good friend. And, and so uh, you know, he's got his, he's got his Instagram page and you look awesome. at that stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing, but you can't see the game. You can be no. able to see the players, the right? Quality's awful, like, but yeah. The quality's awful. So the first thing you got to do, right? Like what is one of the first things you loved about the PLL when you first saw it? Is, NBC, yeah. different yeah. camera angles, great announcers, right? The production is critical. Why it's do we easy all to watch. watch the Super Bowl? Right, exactly. So when you, um, so BR Live was a step. Right, yeah, 100%. It was a good 100%. partnership, turned a great job, um, great uh, relationship, working with sponsors, rights deal was pretty good, you know, in terms of dollars and everything else. Um, the BR Live production was a step up mm-hmm. uh, from where it was. And three-year contract, perfect. And, and, uh, and now it's, okay, what's the next level? Right. And so, um, you know, why there's two things. Uh, one is how the game's produced, and that can be done locally at your, you know, right. each franchise's facility, or you can be done centrally, or or what have you. And then there's who's producing it um, at a, uh, or who's announcing it, and what they're doing there. And then, and then, you you have groups that are really experienced, and some that aren't. What what I really like about the TSN deal is that. Um, uh, I believe it's dome is the, is, uh, I don't know if it's dome productions or what have you, but the, the, they're the guys that do all the NHL games in Canada. And I don't know if you guys watch NHL hockey. Mm-hmm. I, you know, oh hockey yeah. Guy, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love how hockey is done. Yep. These guys are going to be doing those games and they're going to be done consistently. 
it's just, it's going to be the next level. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if you have TSN, which is, you know, everybody in Canada has it and you can have it here in the States or you have the TSN streaming, whatever else, um, uh, you'll be able to get access to that. And, and so um, I think that's important. I think what we do in the U S uh, which hopefully we'll announce, you know, not too distant future adds to that. Uh, okay. And um, again, builds that sport. Um, it's nice to have, it's nice to have linear, uh mm -hmm. tv but it's also first and foremost is to have a great production that people want to watch yeah. um you know I, i've been um um you know trying to really understand how to make an experience better and it's been interesting watching the pll on peacock some positives some negatives but you know mm -hmm. doing things in that that are unique and engage the fans and you know of course we're seeing a lot of um uh, involvement from, from, um, from DraftKings and, and betting, which is, you know, also part of the whole production and, and everything else. And so I, I think the NLL is exactly where it needs to be in making that next, that next level. And, and I think this, this deal was, uh, was a good, was a good deal in that respect. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to somebody that was involved in the PLO pretty early on that has a better understanding of the TV deals than I do. And they said, really, when, when the leagues become very, very profitable, instead of just, you know, working towards profitability is when you have multiple people bidding for your TV rights. And, and, and that's where we're moving towards. Right. So we, we had the MLL on ESPN. We have the PLL on, on NBC in some fashion. And soon, as this keeps growing and the numbers keep growing, there will probably be a multi-bid situation going on. The NLL is probably just a step behind that in terms of they're now getting into that major you know, broadcast deal and being on TV. And Ryan have, and I have talked about it. Like The greatest experience I ever had at a pro sports event was at a Colorado Mammoth game when, when we were there to play Air Force. And 90% of those fans had never seen or, or definitely had never played lacrosse. I can say that out in Colorado. I mean, we had biker gangs. We had, we had, we had everything there. And it was incredible. The experience is incredible. But we need to make it so that it's easier to, to access yeah. and easier to digest. Like watching it on BR Live or on Twitter, it, it, it's difficult. It's kind of cool. It, it's a step in the right direction. But like the more accessible it is, the, the better. When you have biker gangs coming, <laughs> you, you're almost there. Yeah. You yeah. Get, once you get the nuns and the priests, <laughs> you hit it. That's the the, it. Uh, the um, there just to you know to be clear, there this there was a lot of bids, so this was compatible, right? So mm -hmm. the the difference is is where where media is going, and right. and and streaming is massive, right? And and you know, I don't know. There's so many people I know now that don't even use cable, right? And right. so I'm one of them. Right. Exactly. Right. So. You got Amazon, you got Disney, you got, you know, you just everything now, you know, Fubu, Fubo, um, oh, geez, there's just, you know, so there's a lot of uh, competitors mm -hmm. that want to be in this business and, and including some of the, 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 the uh, gambling companies um, in, in terms of how they're becoming media uh, companies instead of just, you know, your, your, your um, um, books. Uh, gamble. Yeah, exactly. So, so there definitely was, it was definitely competitive. Mm -hmm. um, it's, um, and, and the PLL, that's kind of where we, we, we're going this year is, is the, it's definitely competitive. Um, and, and hopefully we can uh, get a good rights deal, uh, you know, at the end of this year. And, and uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, 
I think a challenging couple of years because of COVID. And I think mm-hmm. the PLL has just handled it extremely well. Uh, and, and, and the NLL is, uh, is again, coming out of this. I think they were handcuffed a little bit more because of the number of Canadian players and, mm-hmm. and what was going on there and being able to do certain things that, that they couldn't. Um, so I think, I think it's uh, all really positive. And like you said, you know, at the end of the day, you got to, you got to build the exposure. And so a lot of good things going on inside that haven't been announced. The, the deputy commissioner, Jessica Berman, mm-hmm. um, a lot of things in terms of the communities, a lot of things in terms of outreach, a lot of things in terms of um, um, uh, uh, building the game at the youth level. So, so there's a lot of good things going on that again, will continue to help bring the game um to the people in michigan you know right. and whatever even though there's not a protein there so it, it takes time but i think that the the you know it's uh it's it's well on its way fantastic i mean you're, you're spot on and we're excited to see how it grows we really appreciate your time it, it was great you know obviously hearing your story getting to know you and then just talking about the sports industry for a while is, is absolutely you you have a unique access to the sport that very few people have and you're still very accessible, which can't be said for everybody. It's going to get anybody in trouble. So <laughs> no, no, you didn't reveal any secret numbers or anything good, specific. Good. You spoke in broad terms. So I think we're good there, good. but uh, really appreciate your time. Yeah, uh, uh, if you ever need anything from us, please just let us know. And, and hopefully we'll be out to Albany at some point for, I love it. Absolutely. Let me know. And, uh, and uh, you guys are doing an awesome job. I love watching some of your stuff uh, when I get a chance. A lot of podcasts out there, but, uh, uh, you know, it, you have to have a different angle and, uh, and, and I like what you guys are doing. So thanks very yeah. much for, for reaching out and, uh, appreciate it and, uh, pass on your secrets for staying, uh, looking young. Cause, uh, I need baby I need, faces. I guess. It's the zoom filters. That's it's what the I zoom filter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been missing. All right. Well, you take All it right, easy, boys. sir. Thanks. All right. Have a good one. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.